0: Thank <laughs> you. Welcome back to Uneducated, the show where we feel dumb so you don't have to. I am joined by a very, very special guest. After years of a career in front and behind the camera, helping other brands develop content on beauty and wellness, in 2014, she founded her own new media and digital production company, Mixed Makeup. Susan Yara, how are you today? I'm I'm so
1: excited to speak with you. I'm excited to speak with you.
0: This is fun. You are one of the first content creators I like actively followed. I've never been big on constantly watching YouTube, which is a little bizarre as being a YouTuber myself. Um, But your content was one of the first that I found that I was like, just mesmerized with. I love skincare. And I feel like it was a time when YouTube was all about makeup tutorials. Mm -hmm. And I've always been more of a prep more and primp less and you don't have to wear as much makeup if you're taking care of your skin. So finding your videos were like, and ha, ah, Bovit! I was so excited. So thank you for creating such amazing
1: content. Thank you. I, uh, you know, I was going. I was uh, telling you earlier before we started recording. I was looking at your YouTube channel and I was like, wait a second, she's an OG oil cleanser. Like you, you actually you know figured out how to oil cleanse before it was cool and trendy to be to use oil cleanser so i'm i'm pumped <laughs> about that i
0: am both honored and mortified that you went that far back on my YouTube channel. I think the oil cleansing video I did was my first video when I I started my channel separate. I got started on YouTube with my ex. We had a couple's channel together. And the first video, I was like, what am I passionate about? What's something I want to share with the world? And it was clearing up my acne, which I did by using, I think I mixed... Castor oil and like sweet almond oil at first. Oh, I don't even remember. what I saw you do. Yep, yeah, and it. I was shocked. I didn't. I didn't go into it expecting much because I was like, okay, oils on my oily skin. This is not gonna go well. And spoiler alert to everyone, it went very well. I used to take pictures like eyebrows down because I was so mortified by all these little bumps I had on my forehead. And I realized that drying out my skin nonstop was just making my oily skin oilier. So yeah, oil cleansing saved me. I owe everything. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, and we'll get into kind of misconceptions in skincare, but I feel like that is the biggest misconception of like, you shouldn't exfoliate your dry skin and you shouldn't put oils and moisturizers on your oily skin. And that is so opposite, but it's hard to kind of retrain your brain after thinking that for so long. We use so many like harsh, harsh things growing up on our skin. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was guilty of all of it.
1: Oh, I think everybody, everybody has used makeup wipes. Everybody has used something that's just really stripping of the skin. Everybody has, um, you know, I think everybody has actually probably tried coconut oil either on their hair or their skin at some point because it was the thing to do.
0: (laughs) Did you see that video? I think I privated it because I didn't want people to get bad information. I had a YouTube video on like 101 ways to use coconut oil. (laughs) No, I
1: had one on like 10 ways. I didn't get that deep into it, but... I I think think we was was.
0: clickbait. (laughs) There was
1: probably five ways. Everybody was doing it. It was the in thing to do just like five years ago.
0: It was a stage we all had to go through and get through and come out on the other side better Mm -hmm. and more
1: educated. You know what? That's exactly. And that's the thing is because we were there, we know better because we Mm experienced it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And speaking of education, which is what this podcast is all about, we first have to be a little uneducated. It's time for the trivia question. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. All right. Our trivia question today is, how old is the universe in years? Which I'm like, I'm horrible with time. Do you know this? You look like you know this exact answer. The
1: universe in years? (laughs) I don't even know if there's a number for that.
0: What... I don't know. Two things I cannot even fathom in my mind is space and universe and time. So this is the worst question for me. I don't know. Like 50 billion years? I. Don't
1: know. Oh, it's got to be more. I don't know. Well, if you think about... Okay, so I'm going to like go through my mind.
0: Like, yes, you, you got okay. this. You got this.
1: Okay. If we go back in time and we think about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wholeheartedly
0: believe in you reasoning and no, figuring. This out.
1: No, 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 because no. I was trying to go back as far as like dinosaurs, but then how how many more years before dinosaurs was the Earth, and the Earth started off as gases within the universe. But how long before that was the universe? Like, yeah,
0: long putting long an long actual time, time frame on that is just I don't know. Yeah, I'm sticking yeah. with fifty billion. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow, and I'm okay. Going- Hey, you're correct.
0: Okay. Oh, I like that. To you. All right. Our answer is like, we're off by a lot, but <laughs> are we? It's 13.8 billion. So really overshot that, but I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, it's kind of like if you, if you're a creationist and believe mm-hmm. it like that, you know, there was a day when God said, let there be light. Who knows how far back that went, right? Exactly. It's like, who really knows? <laughs> no idea.
0: No idea. Okay. Anyways, I'm way off. I'm probably going to, I was going to say I'll never forget that, but I'm probably going to forget that as soon as we start talking about skin because I'm that time frame just after a billion, they're all the same.
1: You know what? I'm sure if you told anybody it was 50 billion years old, they would believe you.
0: Okay, guys. Actually, I was right. It is 50 billion.
1: <laughs> We're changing it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay. Back to what we're here for. How did you get started in skincare? So I know that you started in all kinds of different medias, which is why I personally think you are so incredible at what you do because you, you saw it from every lens, but how did that translate into getting so invested in skincare?
1: Well, um, I've been in the beauty space for a very long time. So I started mm-hmm. off, uh, you know, like at the Clinique counter. You know, as one of those girls like trying to sell you makeup and skincare yeah. <laughs> and stuff. And then I got involved in pageants and competed at Miss America. And you really start to get invested in your your skincare and your makeup and your hair care mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and then you know, going on to being like an on camera news reporter and stuff, you're still dealing with all of your own hair and makeup and everything. Um, so you're just kind of like, I was kind of continuing that. With my career. And then mm-hmm. at some point I became I went into more like the the media houses. So I started working at um Forbes magazine. So I went into publishing. Mm-hmm. But this was at a time when everybody was starting to get a little interested in dot com stuff. So it was like mm-hmm. not just the magazine, it's Forbes.com, right? And they were being uh, you know, they were being ahead of their time at <laughs> the time. And they, uh, they they were starting online video um, with their dot com. And uh, and I started reporting on you know like just lifestyle in general. So this in, this encompassed health, um, fashion, beauty, wellness, fitness, which is part of wellness also. But um, I you know anything to do with lifestyle and basically people who are really wealthy. So mm-hmm. I had to really start to learn about you know skincare and spa treatments and that kind of thing, along with like fashion and cars and, you know, fun yeah. billionaires do with their money that we don't. <laughs> do. <laughs> exactly. I um, feel
0: like I focused on how you have so much experience in different forms of media. I didn't even realize being in front of the camera and having to do your own makeup and in pageants, those are such different experiences of being on stage or being in front of a camera with different lighting. So you really had to quickly learn the tricks of the trade to adjust yourself, which do you think that made you focus on skincare more because all the makeup in the world wasn't going to fit every single situation you were in. But if you started with a good base, that was going to help in every situation?
1: No, I wasn't that ahead of my time. So (laughs) I, I wish I could say that I really understood um skincare at the time but I didn't I was all about mm-hmm. makeup, like try to fix it with makeup cover it yeah. up all that stuff um and it wasn't until so I I eventually you know went to work at lots of different publications and um I moved into being specifically a beauty editor so at one mm-hmm. point I just focused all on beauty and um you know I started getting older and that's like I think that was like really for me that was a turning point was yeah. you know when we start seeing everybody on YouTube you said it yourself in the intro um, it was all about makeup, right? Like yeah. all the makeup YouTubers and influencers and stuff. And I was really starting to be more interested in my skincare because I was trying to age. I was trying to see wrinkles and mm-hmm. I was in things like Botox and fillers. And I couldn't find anything that was really... Good quality produced content around that stuff, except for you know the really salacious stuff, where it's like mm-hmm. you know like oh this person got botched, you know this person looks like they're crazy, exactly. with their botox, and that's not the stuff you want to hear about. You want to hear about the stuff mm-hmm. that makes you look like you look you do you look good, you look a little bit younger, a little bit you know better for your age and stuff. And we know that celebrities do all that, right? Like we know yeah. celebrities have had so many cosmetic treatments. And, you know, for the most part, they tend to look good. We've seen some bad jobs too, obviously. But, um, you know, if everyone in Hollywood is getting this stuff done, then what are they doing? I want to know, right? Mm -hmm. So that kind of like started to go for me as I was approaching my 30s. Um, And then, uh, you know, I start working at a magazine that really focused heavily on plastic surgery and Botox and all of those things um, and skincare more so and spa treatments. And that's where I really had this like aha moment where... I was like, we've been focusing on the wrong stuff, you know. Yeah. We need to we need to be focusing on the base of all, of our makeup, and that's our skin, right? Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. yeah. So I, that's that's kind of where it happened. Was I, you know, it took me aging a little bit. I had to turn like thirty. And then and then start to look at my skin and be like, wait a second. This isn't what I expected, you know, from my life. <laughs> this is yeah. where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. it doesn't just stay the same. I actually mm-hmm. have to do something here. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had a an earlier awakening, but it's because I aggressively tanned as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I just fell in that time of the very thin plucked eyebrows and tanning every day against my mom's best wishes and begging and pleading with me not to. I just wouldn't listen to her. Moms really do know best. My mom like gets a facial every month she has since she was like 20. She's so smart, way, way beyond her time. She's genius. And I wish I would have followed it more because I saw the aging in my face at like, I don't know, 23. I started noticing little lines and just not looking like myself and i realized that every acne product cuz i used oh god you name it i tried it was mm-hmm. ruining my skin i just had no elasticity i was like i'm 23 and there's no bounce in my skin what is happening here it was horrifying
1: yeah and you start to realize like we're we're overdoing it we're overstripping mm-hmm. our skin we we aren't You know, I think the word oil sounds like a bad word to a lot of people when they think about their skin because they think that it's going to make them look greasy, it's going to clog their pores, it's going to cause breakouts. But really, what we should be utilizing is our natural oil in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways, and and complementing it with the products that we're using. Yes, you need to exfoliate and use stronger ingredients, but. Um you don't have to you don't have to dry your skin out. I think that's truly what we we think we need to like remove the top layer and dry it out, and we think that that's going to make us have clear, beautiful skin
0: mm-hmm. yeah, we treat our skin like it's the enemy. we just yeah. attack and attack and attack, it's like no, that is working for you. Be kind, be gentle. yes, yeah, sometimes it needs chemicals and something a little bit more harsh, but you don't have to you don't have to go to battle with your skin
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So I have been so excited for you to have a skincare line. It has... I I don't know how long I've been waiting, but I remember seeing like influencer after influencer launching either a makeup brand or a skincare line. And I was just like, no, as soon as Susan Yard does it, I know it's going to be worthwhile. And you recently did. Can you tell me a little bit how that came to be about and why it took so long? (laughs)
1: Well, okay. So, you know, it took so long first off because it's, you know, it takes a lot of time and money to Mm -hmm. create a nice skincare line. And I had all these things that I really, if I was going to do this, I was kind of like, I'm not going to do this if I can't do it right. You know, Exactly. So it takes a lot of, um, you know, you have to be able to get the investment money. You know, if you're not already independently wealthy, you have to Mm -hmm. have the team, you know, there were so many things that I encountered when I was trying to do it by myself, um, where I would even just try to, you know, contact manufacturers or labs, you know, to, you know, like start producing Mm -hmm. ideas that I have for products and they wouldn't call me back, you know, even if though I had a following, I'd be like, yeah. I have a YouTube channel that's focused on skincare. People are going to love it. Trust me. They don't care. They're
0: busy. You're like, where's the money? <laughs> yeah.
1: They're like, we deal with Estee Lauder and Unilever and mm-hmm. all these big brands already. Why do we need you? You're not rich. Yeah. You know? So, you know, you start to encounter all those issues. And I just felt like, you know, in the last year, two years, especially, we've seen so many different skincare lines mm-hmm. launch that it, it almost started to feel like I didn't want to do it because, um, there are so many lines to choose from. What can you do to make it different? And the thing that really stood out to me was that, um, we're, we are seeing so many skincare lines, but they're all doing the same. They're all making the same mistakes, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, um, they're not really listening to their customer. They're going with the old school way of doing things. Like they think it needs to be a luxury brand or they think it needs to be heavily fragranced or they think that it has to have, you know, these flashy marketing concepts to it and stuff. And I think that we've started to see that it doesn't and and it doesn't need to be expensive, but it does need to be high quality, right? And I yeah. think that's that's where I saw just a little, you know, a little opening for me where I was like, wait a second. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have much, right. We were, we were pretty poor and getting some kind of a skincare product, you know, was just anything that we bought, right. Like was very special because, uh, just paying anything for anything was a lot for my parents. Right. Yeah. So I had to go get my own job, I started working when I was 12. Right. So anything that I spent money on had to be really good. And if it didn't, then I just spent my hard-earned money that I didn't really have. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think about that a lot with skincare. I feel like skincare should be accessible for everybody and it should should be high quality. You know, it shouldn't be, you know, I think one of the saddest things that I've heard over the last couple of years as I've moved more into skincare with my content is that people will say like, well, you don't like all these DIY trends, but sometimes this is all that we can afford. Mm -hmm. And that made me really sad. And then the other thing that's made me sad is that, you know, I see brands that have come out that are really very affordable, but not all of them feel good. Not all of them treat. They, you know, they, they thank goodness have made ingredients, um, you know, accessible to a lot of people, but then it's, then we're missing the experience, right? Like why Mm -hmm. can't we have both? So that's what Naturium is. My skincare line is, you know, it's taking all of that feedback that I've received over the years from my viewers, um, listening to what I guess I know I wanted to have out there, but also listening to what everybody else wanted and maybe didn't even realize that they wanted yet. Right. Like They, mm-hmm. they didn't know that maybe their skincare could be affordable and also feel like a treat. So that's what that's what we're doing.
0: Yeah. It's like finding that sweet spot, which I feel like exists in so many different things within health and wellness and beauty. You want good products. You don't want to be scared of, of the ingredients in it. I think that's the biggest thing for me. The amount of time I spend researching ingredients, and it is hard to find, I'm sure, as you know, information on every little ingredient in your products. There's not a lot of information. As soon as something gets removed, they make a replacement for that ingredient that might be even worse. It's just extremely difficult. And you have to have the privilege of time and money to have quality products that work for you that you're not spending a fortune on. And sometimes I get terrified of the expensive products even more because I'm like, oh, is that the gimmick? Is it just, oh, it works because it's expensive and it's not actually good quality. So there is a massive demand. And I am so glad that you found that sweet spot and are making that your priority right now to create good products for everyone. And I mean, you've tested probably every skincare product out there by this point.
1: So, I mean, at this point, it's difficult to try everything because there are so many brands mm-hmm. out there. Um, but yeah, you know, like the the thing, the big trend that we see now is that um, we don't see well-rounded formulas, right? Yeah. So um, you can feel a little bit, uh, uh, it can be a little bit um, scary to like look at the ingredient list of of a luxury brand or, you know, like I have something here. This is by Skin Medica. It's a, me- it's a medical brand, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, really you see all these ingredients listed on it and you're like, oh God, do I need all of those things? And I, and I think, um, you know, when you look at Naturium, the thing that we really keep in in mind is that, so we try to focus on like, here's the main ingredient in here, but this is also a well-rounded formula and Mm -hmm. you're going to get Benefits from this, not just because of this ingredient that we're advertising on it, but because there are these other ingredients that help to boost the entire formula to make it a really nice product to give you the effect that you're supposed to get. That people think that they're supposed to get from the one ingredient, right? Like I think you don't realize is uh, these ingredients have to kind of work hand in hand, not just for Mm -hmm. the formula to feel nice, but for it to really give you the effect that you want. So that's that's what we're we're focused on, and we're also you know we call it skin friendly. Um, the, that our products are skin friendly. And what we mean by that is that they're at appropriate pH levels. So you're not stripping your skin or you're not causing that irritation to the best that we can. Everybody's yeah. different and we can't control what people are doing to their skin at home. Like we don't know mm-hmm. if they're using our product with like, you know, something that's really harsh or they just went and got a chemical peel, and then they go and <laughs> one of our, you know, chemical exfoliators on like, off. Not going to work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like that education level is really difficult as people are becoming so interested in skincare. But like you said, you can't just use a product and expect to wake up with perfect skin. You have to be mixing and pairing, which a lot of the affordable products right now do focus on that one ingredient that is supposed to help your skin. But just like foods being absorbed in our body, if we don't eat the right things with it, they're not being properly absorbed. There's just... We can't all be expected to be chemists, which is why we really have to rely on brands where we're not seeing a lot of brands do that. So I'm excited for Notorium. And I really hope that I can get that from a well-balanced point of view and get a little bit of everything. I'm really excited to try it.
1: Yeah. And you know, the thing about like these, you know, brands that are considered more like luxury brands and stuff is I think they that is what they focus on is having more Mm -hmm. well-rounded formulas. So, you know when people are like, oh, products don't need to cost as much. No, that's not necessarily true, right? Like I've yeah. tried so hard. You know, it's one of the things that we focus on a lot at the office. Like when people are like, what do, you, what do you do all day at the office? It's like, we try to figure out how we can keep our costs down as much as possible for the consumer, for our customer, mm-hmm. um, without sacrificing any of the quality. So we're constantly like, okay, we need to have this ingredient in here who are all of our sources where are we going to get the best version of that ingredient okay now let's negotiate let's talk about <laughs> like you, you know get so this there's down. so much happening behind the scenes like okay so maybe we're not going to get uh, the cap that i wanted for our bottles because it's going to be too expensive or like the bottles are mm-hmm. too expensive so now we got to go to this next bottle because i really want these beautiful ingredients instead so there's so much that's happening behind the scenes to just make sure that um that the price does stay where it is at uh, and, you know, some of these other brands, the luxury brands and stuff, they don't have to worry so much about that because mm-hmm. they are charging a little bit more. So I understand where the price points come from. And I don't, I don't blame brands that are more expensive too.
0: Yeah. And I think consumers are getting smarter in knowing that and knowing that there has to be that give and take. There is somewhere that you're taking back. So they're not as worried if the cap isn't this luxurious rose petal or whatever crazy stuff you see on packaging. And I think people respect that. I like simple packaging. I like something to feel good and look good and feel luxurious, but I also would much rather the ingredients be luxurious than my packaging. (laughs) Were you nervous going into a skincare line, being an influencer, seeing how influencers are kind of held under a microscope, you are an expert in the skincare field, but you are also putting yourself out there and your reputation. Was that something that kind of held you back and made you nervous to start this?
1: No, because I, I, I knew I was going, if I put out a skincare line, I knew it was going to be a, an amazing skincare line. Like this is going to be something that I know that everyone watching my channel and getting advice from me, they, you know, like in the past, when I was first starting off as a content creator and stuff, like, you know, if there was a product that I was like, so, so on, I never talked about products that I hated, right? Like I've never, ever done that. But in the past, when I was first starting off and I wasn't making any money and stuff, if there was a product that I was like, this is okay, it's fine. I would talk about it. Right. And people would, you know, like you'd get feedback from people being like, I bought this product because of you. (laughs) That's what it sucked. And I learned Quickly, Like first year, I was like, okay, I cannot talk about any products that I, unless I love them, right? Mm-hmm. Like these products really have to have the stamp of approval. So I, I, I knew going into a skincare line that I was going to take the best of everything that I'd, that I've learned over the years and put it into a skincare line. So I wasn't worried about that. Um, the thing that I think people don't realize is that if you're going to create a serious skincare line or a serious, any kind of business, Right. Um, where it's truly your business. And it's not, you know, like there are a lot of deals you can create where you go to a company and you say like, Hey, I want to do my own skincare line, or I want to make my own sunglasses, or I want to make my own lipstick or something. And they'll do it. And they'll just put your name on it, right? Like pop it on and you don't have to be a business person. But if you truly want to be a business person and have control over what's happening and stuff, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes. That, um, that aren't necessarily always like the public things that you share, right? Um, and so that part was really hard to navigate while being transparent about what's going on and stuff, because you can't, you kind of can't, right? Yeah.
0: You're, like, yeah. you're like, there's legal issues, there's contracts back here, yeah. but then I also have this moral obligation and I'm sure, and um, for anyone listening who doesn't know, Susan fell under a little bit of heat and fell in the hot water for a little bit because you had been talking about Naturium for a little bit prior to announcing that you were a co-founder in this. So how did that timeline kind of play out of wanting to share this product that you had worked so hard on and putting out? And I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know how involved you were at that stage yet. How did you balance that? And do you regret the way that you did balance it?
1: No, you know, I, I don't regret it. I, there's There are a few lessons that I've learned, right? Like mm-hmm. I think whenever we make any mistakes or anything, the best thing we can do is try to like figure out what lesson did I learn from that? Exactly. Um, you know, the thing that makes that situation hard is that um, we could be sitting here today as just friends or something and I could not own a skincare line. And you would mm-hmm. never know that I maybe <laughs> was in talks with like an investor and things fell out. And mm-hmm. like, if you're a graceful person, you don't talk about that stuff, right? You're not going to exactly. do anything. You're just going to be, you know, you're going to be a, a team player. You're going to mm-hmm. make that product and you're going to be like, this is a great product. And I know it. And I put my like stamp of approval on this brand. I hope you guys enjoy it. Right. Mm-hmm. I never tell anybody anything else. Cause that's not what you do when you do business. And you know what? I want to be a serious businesswoman. I want to maintain my relationships. I, you know, I want to be taken seriously. And but so the thing that's hard about being a woman is that we're expected to um to not just like be up there and competing with men who don't get as much heat as we do, but we're mm-hmm. expected to also be graceful. We're expected to also be the ones that do the right thing or that um, you know, take the high road and stuff. And you know, if you come off as too confident, people now see you as arrogant. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get so much backlash and heat that truly men don't get, you know? Um, so you, you know, you, if you really take a look at my situation, what people don't, what people didn't think about, um, when I had that situation happening is that maybe there was other stuff happening. I heard so many people say, I never expected this of Susan, or this feels very off for her.
0: Yeah. So maybe think about that a little bit. Think, you've watched me for how long? You know my character. You, you can trust me. You've been able to trust me for, what, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Why, why would it be any different now? But unfortunately, especially on the internet, people are quick to jump to the drama train and the yeah. negative instead of thinking, hmm, this seems off for her. Let's think about what could be happening in the background. But yeah. that's not where people's minds go.
1: You know, like in, over the past year, as my channel started to grow, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, there had started to become a lot more people who disliked me, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I, oh, I, of course. The more I, followers you get, the, the more that
1: comes. Yeah. And so um, that had really, over, the, over this past few months, especially, uh, or the, past, the beginning of the year, it started to really build up. And what people didn't realize was, um, there, were, there, was a, there was a Facebook group even dedicated to essentially taking me down. Like we what? just love Susan so much. How okay. dare you help people with bettering their skin? Because I'm yeah, a horrible woman. Instead of being a confident woman, right? Mm-hmm. I'm an arrogant woman to them. And, you know, exactly. So, and it's like, how dare this woman, right? And so they were, they were just looking for something um, that they could be upset with me about. And I unfortunately fed that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of my big lessons is that I fed it a little bit. Um, and I gave information when I shouldn't have, you know, like in, like truly I shouldn't have given any information, but I did thinking like, Oh, like a little bit of information is good. Cause I'm going to give something, whatever, mm-hmm. I should have just stayed quiet, obviously yeah. this whole thing gone with what my gut was telling me and stuck to that. But instead I kind of let pride get in the way.
0: It is nearly impossible not to. You yeah. want to be able to... You want to defend yourself. Yeah. And I agree. I've learned the same lesson. Of the more you try to appease the people who are angry, they just... It fuels the fire and they just go for more and more and more. And they're never going to be pleased with whatever answer. Because especially if you convince them and show them, well, this is what was really happening. They're mad that they were wrong. And they're mad that they don't have something to come at you for. So then they just start making well, more and, things And up.
1: no matter what, if they don't want to believe me, they're just not going to believe me, right? So I'm in a no fine situation. And and, and, mm-hmm. and I started to realize, like, the, the thing was, there were so many people who were messaging me and telling me how much they love and support me and they appreciate the things that I've done and they stand with me and they are open to talking to me about this and stuff. And I decided that those were the people I wanted to focus on because if I put too much energy on trying to, you know, fix whatever situations was supposedly created in the minds of people that disliked me. Then mm-hmm. I wasn't focusing on the people that love me and care about me. And I wasn't focusing on achieving my goals,
0: you know? Exactly. It's just distraction that is not doing any good for you or those people.
1: Yeah. Or, or anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't need more of that out there. So, so I just, I just kind of stopped talking about it. I decided not to feel okay. it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now you are fully focused on your brand. Which, how is it doing? What are your favorite products? I want to hear more about it. I specifically did not watch your videos talking about the products because I wanted to hear it straight from you today. Because I have been so excited for it for so long.
1: I will. You know, I I, I actually meant to send you some products. Oh, I will, send God. you some <laughs> products. um, I, I'm headed to the office after our call actually. So I will get to the office and I will send you some products. I cannot uh, wait. But, uh, but you know, obviously, um, we we have a lot of products out and we're really like going hard. The more- I
0: was shocked by how many products you have. Sorry to cut you off, but I was just looking at your website right before our call. And I was like, most people launch with a couple products at first. Once those do well, they get to do more. And you have so many products and such a well-rounded amount of products. I was blown away.
1: Yeah. And, and it's not going to stop. Like that was you know, again, like, I wanted this to be a serious skincare line. If I'm going mm-hmm. to launch something, it's not going to feel like an influencer launch. It's going to feel like this is a serious skincare line. I want you to feel like you can find the products that you need. Mm-hmm. And that means really like putting our heads down and focusing on that and really going to, to work and create yeah. these products. And that was one of the reasons why I needed to get an investor too, is because, yeah. um, you know, I, again, I'm not independently wealthy, so. Uh, you know, that'd be even more awesome if I was like, ah, <laughs> my own money all over the place and make this happen. But
0: yeah, you know, wouldn't that be nice?
1: Yeah. But on top of that, you know, so I, I'm very grateful for um, I'm with an incubator. And mm-hmm. so if you know, for people listening, if they don't know what that is, um, the incubator I'm with is called the center and uh, my business partner at the incubator is uh, his name is Ben Bennett and he is a genius when it comes to beauty in general and um, he's been in the industry for a very long time he's a mentor to me he helps me to you know without the experience of running my own skincare line before he'll, he'll take a step back he'll make me take a step back right mm-hmm. and right. But how important is that? Like, are you focusing on the wrong thing? And even when like all that stuff was happening, he was very good about like helping me clear my mind and like focus on what is important here Mm -hmm. and and stay focused on that. So um, I not only have, uh, you know, have him as an investor, but I have him as a mentor right now. At some point, they'll send me off on my merry little way. Like I'll have to flee the nest and stuff. (laughs) But it's been honestly such a godsend um, to have to have the center behind me because there's such him Ben and his entire team. Um, they're a small team, but they're like the most experienced, smart, um, just amazing people to have behind me working with me on this because this is part of the reason why I'm able to put out so many products, uh, have so much quality um, Mm -hmm. behind every single formula and really, you know, just like drive it home. And, you know, it's funny because I think like the pandemic had the pandemic not happened in the beginning. I was like, this is terrible. This is going to ruin everything. Um, you know, I, I might not be, I might not be here right now because I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, um, just learning. And I think just learning in general for everybody where, you know, I was like so hard set on, Owning my entire company and being the only person behind it, not wanting to give things up and stuff, and you know that kind of thing, and and then you start to learn, right? And it takes sometimes something really big. In this case, maybe the biggest thing, (laughs) and that's a pandemic, to really like make you take a step back and be like, "Why am I being so bullheaded?" You know, because it's it's so strange how we can get so set in our ways and stubborn. Absolutely.
0: I think so many people had that exact same experience this year and with, oh, how intense everything was and how bad it felt. It made everyone take steps back and see what they really want, what they're really focused on, who they're surrounding themselves with. And a lot of good came from it. And not to downplay all of the bad, but I wholeheartedly believe that it was kind of a necessary bad to get society in general to reset and kind of focus on positive, good things because we were just getting so distracted and we really did need a wake up call on every level. So I I don't think I've spoken to one person who didn't have that exact same experience of, wow, I was being stubborn and focused on fully the wrong things with what I want to do.
1: And isn't that funny? It's like now that it's towards the end of the year, we're starting mm-hmm. to realize the lessons we've learned. But, you know, there yep. was definitely Hindsight. a cloud on everybody kind of like mm-hmm. in the summertime. It was like right at the start of summer, like around May and June. It just felt like these are our, our, our darkest days. Right. So
0: Absolutely. Nice yeah. yeah like- their end. Yeah. It was like, there's no out of this. We thought it was going to be a couple months. And I think once we leaned into it and accepted what was happening and that we don't know when everything's going to go back to quote unquote normal, we accepted the new normal and really learned to thrive in it, which is great. I feel like we are very resilient and we adapted and it's a beautiful thing to see such incredible projects come out of it and a lot of people getting really creative.
1: Yep. Agreed.
0: So I have some... Well, we'll call them rapid fire, but they're just going to come to the top of my head skincare questions for you that I feel like, as we were talking, the education in skincare is so confusing. What do we mix with what? So I have, I have a few questions for you for my benefit, and then also from um, listener questions that they sent it. Okay. The first one is a listener question that also benefits me. What would you recommend to somebody with rosacea?
1: Azelaic acid, one hundred percent. Azelaic acid is the ingredient that I think people are sleeping on. Um, okay. you know, I, I kept saying that niacinamide was going to be like the it ingredient, and now mm-hmm. it like has definitely exploded. You can find it in almost everything these yeah. days, um, and it's because it's such an amazing ingredient. And now, you know, like in in creating all these products and stuff, the ingredient that really has caught my attention is azelaic acid. Um, it helps with a lot of the same things that niacinamide can help with. So it's good with oil production control. Um, it helps to brighten your skin and exfoliate your skin. It helps to soothe your skin, but it also is good for redness. And if you are rosacea prone, then azelaic acid is that ingredient that you should really look into. Um, there are, um, some derivatives now we're using one of those derivatives, um, that, are also just so amazing. Cause I think what people get stuck on with azelaic acids, you don't find it too often in products mm-hmm. because it can be very hard to formulate with and it doesn't feel the nicest. Sometimes it can be mm-hmm. very rainy. Um, so there are derivatives now that people are starting to focus on that you're finding you get some of the same results, maybe even better results, um, wow. that, uh, that are really nice. Ele- they're really elegant and very nice to use in your products. So that's something that we've been focusing on, but um, maybe in 2021, there might be a like a main azelaic acid product that I'm going to be talking oh, about. Maybe. I
0: keep my eyes peeled for that. I definitely need something like that. I get so much redness in my cheeks, but I don't even know anymore. You still claim that I have really sensitive skin. I think you've spoken about having your skin's not sensitive at all, right? Ugh, God, I envy you for that so much. Um, but I have such a hard time combating my acne and my sensitive skin and finding that balance. That's so why that would probably be really yeah. good for me.
1: So I'm going okay. to want so one product on the list of the products I'm going to send you is our, um, azelaic topical acid. I'm going okay. to send that. You, you will like this product and it's easy to, to put into your skincare routine. It feels like a serum.
0: Okay. Perfect. Day, night, both. Both. Okay. Amazing. Okay. What age should people start using retinols?
1: Um, okay, so it really depends, right? So um if you're using it for anti-aging, I say mm-hmm. wait till you're about 25 because that's when everything starts to decline. So that's when you yeah, start collagen production. That's when you start to see all the elasticity disappear, right? Um it's I mean, I mean when I say it starts, it's like truly just starting at that point. So if mm-hmm. you want to start to combat that, maybe go in with like at nighttime using a very gentle retinol. Um, and not have to you know not feel like you have to really go full steam ahead with like a tretinoin or something that's Mm -hmm. strength. but if you have acne right and you've tried everything to get rid of this acne um you can start in your teens right and that's usually Mm -hmm. going to go see a dermatologist first um and then having them go through everything with you right like Kind of like checking off the list of what can be done for your acne, um, and they might end up putting you on some type of a retinoid retinoid, and people don't realize it like even um uh, like there's different that's no longer prescription right you can get that at walmart and you're you're pretty golden, but that is a retin- a retinoid um, oh i didn't know that yeah it's a retinoid it's a it's a different type of retino- a retinoid retinoid is the all encompassing word for retinol. Mm-hmm uh, you know, prescription, retin, uh, retin, uh, retin-A and like all that kind of stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, you could, you know, you could get on something even like, you know, like Accutane in mm-hmm. form of vitamin A, but you're consuming it. So, um, you know, you might be getting on something like that. So, you know, I think that's, that's the thing to remember is it really is so dependent on what you're going through. So you might start as early as your teens, but if you're just using it purely for anti-aging, I'd say like wait till after 25.
0: And how is the best way to incorporate that into your daily or nightly routine without I get really sensitive to it. So I have to be so careful and I have not found my balance at all. What is the best way to start working that in without having a crazy flare up from your sensitive skin?
1: So, um, you know, you either, the thing that we focused on with my line is, uh, getting the retinoid, the retinol encapsulated. Mm-hmm. And so that helps it to um, kind of disperse over time. So it's not just like this heavy dose on your skin at once that can potentially irritate your skin. Uh, mm-hmm. It also just helps keep it stable because people don't realize that retinoids have to be stable as well. Um, so uh, that's one thing to look for. If you really are that sensitive, you can start with uh, like a retinol oil. Usually mm-hmm. the oils are really much more gentle and you can start with just once a night and see how your skin does uh, once a week. I mean, and see how your, your skin does at night. Um, but if you want to use like more, like a more typical serum or a, um, moisturizer or like a cream, I guess that has, um, retinol in it, then you can put it on top of your moisturizer first. And that kind of creates a buffer.
0: Okay. You know? And the way so I- moisturizer first, and then, okay, I've been doing it the opposite way. And then I just see, I've been experimenting so much in quarantine because I'm like, no one's seeing my skin. This is fine. yeah. And I'll notice not the next morning, but a couple days after I just start getting so flaky. And once I get dry, that's just, there's nothing I can do. I just have to wait it out, let it flake off and start over. It's so frustrating.
1: And And yeah, so then you're already using something too strong for your skin, right? Yeah. So other people would tell you to just like go with it and like really just it's almost like purging, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that, that brings up
0: PTSD yeah. from my teen years using like proactive yeah. in the purging phase. And then there, the purging never ends. I'm just ruining my skin and it's just a sensitivity breakout. There was no purging happening Yeah, me, No,
1: I'm not, I'm not into that either. Some people definitely are. Um, mm-hmm. I know dermatologists are like just push through it. But I'm the kind of person that's like slow and steady wins the race for me. So yes, same. So, I, uh, so one, if you're putting moisturizer on top of your retinol, um, if it's an occlusive moisturizer, it's just going to make it work harder. It's going to be stronger because it's packing it in, right? Okay. Keeping it there. So if you're putting yeah. it on top of your moisturizer, it doesn't have anything to like keep it there, but it also has a buffer.
0: So. That makes so much sense. I've been doing it so wrong, just trapping it against my skin. Trying to, I was trying to moisturize on top so it wouldn't get so dry, but I was just creating a barrier to lock it in. Mm-hmm. That's the thing with skincare. Sometimes you think you're doing what's right and you're doing the absolute opposite, which can be so frustrating. I'm like, I as know. soon as I think I know something, I learn the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Dang
1: it. It happens to all of us. It, even to me still, I'll, I'll, I'll even know better but I'll mm-hmm. do it just out of like, maybe I'm tired or habit or something. You know, I'm like used to putting on XYZ products and then I added in a new one and mm-hmm. added it right into a routine that it doesn't, doesn't cooperate with. Exactly.
0: I do that all the time. I'm just so eager to try something new and I'm like, I know I need to work it in slowly and I just get too too excited about it. Everybody, What is your opinion on fragrances? It is all of a sudden this like, Hot button debate of fragrances and products: Is it good? Is it bad?
1: Well, here's the thing. So we took fragrance out of Naturium We had mm-hmm. um, we have one cleanser that has a couple of essential oils in it, and those essential oils are completely fine to use because we get them from a manufacturer or from a a, a source. Where the ingredients are stabilized. So they have now tested or standardized, sorry. So they have now uh, tested these ingredients over and over and over again to the point where they are positive. For the majority of people, it should not cause an irritation, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of what people don't think about is like these ingredients before they get used are usually standardized, or, or at least if they're a high quality and they're a high quality brand and stuff, then um, they should be. Um, and everything should be safe for your skin if it's on on the market, right? Unless it's made in somebody's kitchen. Um, There are regulations in your country that probably make it a safe product. Um, So I think people forget that. So fragrance shouldn't be demonized. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, yes, there are some people that can be very sensitive to fragrance, but it's it's very nuanced and people don't Mm -hmm. think about that. Like it just because one product with fragrance bothered your skin doesn't mean that the next one with fragrance is going to and it doesn't mean that you're going to ever have some some type of a irritation or a sensitivity to fragrance some people can go their entire lives and never have a sensitivity to it and that because it's actually the majority of people right statistically um the thing with it being such a big deal these days is that you got to remember that anybody who is a content creator or an influencer, even if they seem like they're like a do-gooder account that's like all about like science or something like that, everybody that is online and dedicating themselves to creating content, that's a business, Mm -hmm. right? And so their business is to create a niche and to get people's attention. And sometimes that getting that attention is by coming up with something that is very formulaic for them. So like for some people, it's all about like, I'm very Mm anti-fragrance, right? Um, and and that becomes their thing and that they're known for and stuff. So that's part of their personal brand. So when they drive that home, they can't break from it. Can you imagine if somebody who's very anti-fragrance yeah. with they like suddenly said, like, I'd like-
0: love that. I love some yeah. personal growth and changing of minds. I think people get way too stuck on. I've always believed this, so I must continue to believe it. Right. I, I want us to normalize changing minds and growing and learning something so we now reconsider. Like yeah. I know that fragrance is for the most part, don't work for my skin because I'm so sensitive. But I am not... um, I don't have normal skin and not like normal on the list of dry, oily. I don't have the average skin. I know that I'm overly sensitive. I have really red cheeks. I have eczema. Like I just unfortunately was born with some pretty sensitive skin. So when I promote products online or say that I didn't like something, I really try to be clear that just because it did or didn't work for me doesn't mean it is or isn't going to work for you. And I feel like with this new age of the Skincare influencer. I mean, they're just like popping up every other day. There's like a new person on TikTok recommending a product. We kind of get stuck with like, oh, well, this person doesn't like it. So it must be awful. And that's just not the case. Someone's least favorite product ever could be your favorite product. And that's okay.
1: Yeah. The only reason why we took fragrance out of Naturium, we decided not to have fragrance in it, is because I, the point that I kept hearing from people like you is that there aren't enough options Mm -hmm. for really good brands that don't have fragrance. So if we're trying to be as inclusive as possible with my brand, then Mm -hmm. what's one of the things that we can do? And that was remove the fragrance because it's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, I guess it's unnecessary. The funny thing about that is we get messages from customers being like, this smells funny. But, and it's like, well, that's what a, that's what a non-fragranced product smells like because we're not putting any added fragrance into this. So exactly. you're, you're never really going to win with that. But I did think there was a good point um, for people who are truly skincare enthusiasts. Um, I felt like there was a really good point that there aren't enough serious brands that, have, that are fragrance-free.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm maybe one of the rare people. I love the smell of fragrance-free skincare. Like I love a, I don't want to call it a chemical smell, but I love that you can tell what's in it. I think that's way more exciting. I feel like I'm getting an actual facial done, and I can tell that the products are working. Maybe it's just in my head, but that's the fragrance that I want—the lack of fragrance. So,
1: but but then there are the people who are like, "This smells like hot dog water." Like we know that there's a famous product out there that makes people <laughs> smell like hot dog water, and you know, it gets its complaints too. So, mm-hmm.
0: you can't win them all. You got to do what's best for you, and you can't win them all. Yeah. Okay. My next rapid fire question is when. And do you get Botox? Because I'm approaching 30 and it's been something I've been debating so much, but I also feel like there's this big fear of if you if you get it, you always have to keep getting it. What are your thoughts on Botox?
1: So I do think that that's actually mm-hmm. something I say all the time that I recommend waiting to get Botox until you truly feel like you need it. People will say that that's wrong. Even doctors, again, (laughs) remember anybody who's telling you this stuff, especially if it's online, they're running a business, right? Like I'm not saying that the doctors are wrong because it can be preventative, quote unquote, preventative um, in the sense of like, you know, you're not going to get deeper lines, I guess, when you're 45. But if you stop getting Botox, you're still going to get lines when you're 45, you know what I mean? So, um, what I say is, and what I did with, you know, my first Botox experience was I waited until I actually had lines that bothered me that were starting to really bother me. Um, Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is like lines that didn't just go away. Um, you can talk to a a doctor and they might say that that's too late. Unless again, like you're 50, And mm-hmm. and they're saying that, like, then of course, like you need probably a little bit more than some Botox at that point, right? But if you're like in your twenties and you have a couple of lines that you see only when you make an expression, that's not a problem. That's mm-hmm. not a problem. That's normal, right? Let's normalize being normal. <laughs> so exactly. and not being too concerned with our age. Um it's when you like you smile. And then like, I have these lines right here, right? I Mm -hmm. had seen those when I was in my mid twenties, my crow's feet. But at some point when I turned 30, I think that's when I first got Botox for my crow's feet. Um, I would stop smiling and you would still see the lines. Right. And it bothered me enough that I was like, okay, I'm going to get some Botox, but my forehead still moves and that never bothered me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I let my forehead just be. So it's one of those things where it's like if a line, if you have lines that bother you, then go ahead and go get Botox. Yeah, exactly. It's
0: again just like all skincare, it's case by case, person mm-hmm. to person. Yeah, I don't know. I'm terrified of needles, so that's half of the battle with me that I'm like, is this worth it? And then I also notice when I'm keeping up with my skincare routine and I'm heavily moisturized, I'm like, I my lines are fine. I don't mind having a line. Here or there, it just means that I've lived a life and I am aging. I'm still quite young, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not afraid to age. It's just the only time I think about it, and I think this is just being in the public eye at all. Anytime I take a picture and I go to post it, I have to talk myself out of using a little smooth tool and fixing it. I'm like, don't do it.
1: You and I both do not do it. <laughs> yeah, we all do that. And and truly that's what social media has done, right? Like it took me a second. I think like when I first started creating my own content, I was kind of like, oh, I have to have like maybe a little concealer on for this video or like, I, I don't want to be completely bare faced. I'm going to have my mascara on or at least mm-hmm. some lip balm, you know, like that kind of stuff. And then I started being like, well, screw this. I'm going to... I'm just going to go for it. Like people are going to see my melasma. I get comments about it every once in a while, but it's like, this is what real skin looks like guys. I have some texture lately, especially I've been wearing a mask more because I've gone to the office and stuff. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's just, that's, that's real skin.
0: Yeah. It is so bizarre to think how much seeing skin texture has become this weird thing to notice. Like if I see a picture online and you zoom in or even not, and you can kind of see even like the hair follicles or something You're like, oh, there's there's texture there. But if you, everyone right now listening, please go look in the mirror. You have skin texture and that's okay. No one looks like a smooth baby's bottom. You're not supposed to. Even pictures that you see and you can see their pores, that's probably also edited. I think people have this like, edited skin texture in their mind that they're supposed to have. And it's just not reality. I wish we would normalize skin texture more. The healthiest skin in the world. You have pores, you have hairs, you have marks, you have dark spots. Everyone has it and it's so normal. And that's just, uh, it irks me so much that you just never see skin texture online anymore.
1: And even, you know, even like my own content, right? Even if I'm showing you my real skin, I have lots of lighting, not right now, Mm -hmm. but I have lots of lights set up or I had a makeup artist. I love to have my makeup artist come now, you know? And I I let her do my makeup. She's making me look pretty flawless, you know? So- (laughs) Like this takes work.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's like two hours (laughs) in the morning for my- (laughs) Yeah, it's always, I always say with, the internet, you are comparing your worst moments to someone's best moments. It's I'm I'm scrolling through Instagram looking at flawless pictures first thing in the morning when I haven't even brushed my teeth yet, let alone wash my face or put makeup on. So if I look at myself right after seeing those flawless moments, that comparison's it's just gonna kill you. So you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. And just realize that that's, that's not reality. But unfortunately, it's, it's hard to remember in this day and age. And I think we're starting to find a little bit more balance. And I hope that that continues.
1: Yeah. And I think that goes for just anything on social media. If it doesn't feed you and if it makes you feel unhappy, even if they don't mean, like even if the person you follow doesn't mean to make you feel bad, they're just sharing something that's happening in their life, like a happy moment, like a pregnancy, for instance. Um, and it makes you feel bad because maybe you haven't been able to get pregnant Or, you know, they have skin that you can't seem to achieve or something like that. Unfollow them. You don't Mm -hmm. have to follow these people. It's all... No
0: one's making you look at that. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly.
0: Or mute them for a little, whatever you need to do to kind of give yourself a little peace of mind. Yeah. Okay. My last question for you, which I arguably think that this might be the hardest one. If you could only use three skincare products for the rest of your life, what are they?
1: Uh, Cleanser retinol and sunscreen.
0: Okay. That was easy. That was simple
1: for you. (laughs)
0: Sunscreen is the one thing I feel like everyone is still sleeping on no matter how much every beauty influencer, skincare influencer, specialist, dermatologist says you must be using SPF. Gosh, I can't tell you how many, even of my own friends and my own girlfriend does not use sunscreen every day. And I don't know what we have to do to get that to be the cool thing to do, Yeah, but everyone's got to step up the sunscreen. So well, everyone's I mean, daily I'll, reminder.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you what needs to happen. I, I think Asians have probably mastered it the most, but it has mm-hmm. to feel like it's part of your skincare routine and it flows well into your makeup routine or whatever it is that you do during the day. Yeah. Um, obviously, for men, it's a little bit easier. But even for a guy that doesn't wear makeup, he's not going to com- continue putting on his sunscreen and reapplying it and stuff if it makes him look shiny and greasy, right? Mm-hmm. So if it makes you have a white cast or if it doesn't, you know, pair up well with the makeup that you put on top of it or something, you're not going to use it. Yeah. Right? If it causes you to break out, you're not going to use it. So I think as people start to normalize sunscreen more, I think that we're going to see more and more options. For sunscreens, including those that are more inclusive for people that, have, that are melanin-rich, that have harder skin tones to try to you know, use sunscreen on and stuff, um, I think we're going to see more and more of a difference and a change because I think sunscreen of the past used to be for the days that we were at the pool or the beach. Or Exactly. Like,
0: thick, heavy creams that you don't want. It doesn't feel good on your skin either. So mm-hmm. no one wants to do their like 10-step perfect skincare routine and take this thick cream and smudge it on top. Yeah. So we need, we need products that work definitely more. I I still don't have a sunscreen that I like try to promote all the time that I just love. I'm constantly switching sunscreens.
1: This is my favorite sunscreen. What is it? It's by Elta MD. This is their okay. tinted um, UV daily broad spectrum SPF 40. Mm-hmm. I also love their, if you're one of those people that prefers all mineral, I love their tinted mm-hmm. one. Um, we did a video on mixed makeup where we had um, black women who are our followers try out um, one of the Elta MD products. Oh no, no, no. Actually it was uh, the dermatologist in the video talked about how she, much she loved it. Did we have them try Elta MD? No, we did have them try it. Um, mm-hmm. And it worked for most of their skin tones, but not all of them. The winner was actually by Versed. Um, It was their oh, skincare.
0: that's the that's the one that I used, and I actually the tinted one, right? Mm-hmm. Do they have multiple? To- Does Verse have like different tones? It's just the one, right? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking it wouldn't work with a lot of people's skin tone because when I go to put it on, it looks way too light and it eventually blends in, but I'm white. So I just assumed that on darker skin tone, it wouldn't eventually blend in. That's really good to know because I haven't recommended that one because I was kind of bummed that they only had the one tone.
1: Yeah. The tone is in there, I think, more to just help it blend, not necessarily mm-hmm. to look like a color on the skin.
0: Yeah. It's more so to balance out because the mineral um, SPFs have that like gray cast to it. So it's just combating that not matching with your skin tone. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I've just, I've been so iffy on it. I really like that SPF a lot and it's actually the current one that I'm using, but I wasn't sure how it would blend with different tones, even lighter because it does have kind of like a, a warm tone to it.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's I think good that was, that was the word.
0: Okay, great. Well, I'm going to check out the one that you recommended. Guys, if you take anything away from this podcast, please start wearing SPF. Oh my gosh, I cannot reiterate enough. I just feel like no one's doing it and we need to be doing it if you want to have flawless skin like Susan does. Because if you guys are listening audio only right now, please watch the YouTube video as well because you will understand why I have followed this woman for so long. And literally, like, I don't... You could tell me to like throw grass on my face. And I think I would listen because your skin is just incredible. I'm like mesmerized by it. You're always glowing. So flawless. Can't wait to try out your products. Can you tell the people where to find you a little bit more and where to find your new skincare line?
1: So uh, you can go to naturium.com. We're also available on Amazon. We might be announcing another place that you can find us towards the end of the year some good news coming. Um, and then we're also available in Australia and we're hoping hoping to be in Europe and Canada eventually within the you know the next few months. So stay tuned if you're in another country listening. But yeah, we're available in Australia now too. Incredible. Thank you so much. Congrats on
0: everything. I'm really impressed by you taking such a rough year and doing so much good with it. And thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.